0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Think Like a Dog podcast hosted by Andrea Paiva and Millie Travis. In this podcast, we discuss how to build the best relationship with your dog from rescues to reactivity. We'll cover it all. And today we are going to discuss what to look for in a trainer. And we have uh, with us today Easton, who was who started as Millie's client and is now one of her trainers. So we are going to start off um, talking about, you know, different things to look for. How do you start looking for a trainer? Uh, For myself, I started just a lot of people just go online and they type in best trainer around (laughs) me. And there's that's it. You know, you think there's only one kind of training and nothing else, but there is so much more behind that.
1: Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, almost probably too much information that you can find on the internet, and then get yourself uh, confused and overwhelmed. And um, but yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of different types of trainers, and and we want to get into today um, what it means when somebody identifies themselves as purely positive training or um, a balance trainer or obedience trainer. Uh, and what all of those uh, methods are. Um, But when you're looking for a trainer and you just go on Google, depending on the issues that you're having, you might need to be looking for a very specific type of trainer. Um, You know, I know when Easton... I think she's, her dog is leash reactivity. Do you want to talk about Obie? Go ahead. Yeah. i do have you talk about him.
2: Yeah. Um, I adopted Obie in 2015 from Fulton County, uh, lifeline animal services. Um, and he just like right away had a lot of behavioral issues. Uh, we just kind of let it simmer and let him do his thing. And then eventually we're done kind of dealing with those problems. So we called, um, I think the first trainer we had out, um, we were just kind of at the end of our, at the end of our leash, uh, <laughs> <Good>. pun, <laughs> uh, we just like, were desperate. So we, uh, looked up like reputable dog trainers. I think I probably Googled the same thing, best dog trainer <laughs> and every person says they're the best. Um, and you believe it. Um, so it was one of those like package type, um, deals where it's like you pay for a set Amount of training sessions, mm-hmm. and it's all kind of like structured like this one we're gonna do, this session we're gonna work on this, this session we're gonna work on this, and you just progress um, and you pay for a whole package basically. So you sign on for, I think it was six sessions. Um, and so we thought, like, after these six sessions, our dog is trained and we're done. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's kind of what they sell you on <laughs> mm-hmm. is that it's like once you're done, you're done. Mm-hmm. Your dog is trained, it's all good. Um, didn't work for us, he still was having a bunch of issues. Um, I remember it was like the day after he, uh, finished training, we took him out on a walk. He, this was all like e-collar training too. It was all, all we learned. We didn't really go over any, like really anything else aside from just the e-collar. Um, so we took Obi out on a walk. Um, he was in a perfect heel until we passed another dog head on and he went for the other dog and got in a fight. Um, and I, I called the trainer crying and I was like, I thought he was trained. (laughs) (laughs) What do we do? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that was the like our first experience with training. Um, and then just for a few years we went back to doing nothing because we were like he can't be trained.
1: Yeah, we did it. Yeah. So
2: we did and it didn't work. (laughs) So
1: it's the the dog's broken. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah, That's what a lot of people go through
0: is thinking that my dog is not trainable. Exactly. And when I went through that with bubbles, Mm -hmm. I didn't know. I'm thinking, okay, he just needs to be trained Mm -hmm. and learn how to behave and obey me and that's it yeah he's gonna be fine and I started looking into board and train mm-hmm. that was my first option because so I so enticing I'm like I just want to send yeah. him to this wonderful place that's going to teach him mm-hmm. how to think and how to behave and all is going to be great um and then you know I even talked to a facility that does board and train and we were going to go check it out but I knew deep inside I'm like that's not right because i don't want to send him off i know that he i i knew in some form what happened the first time like why he got into that fight so i felt bad to just send him away but it's so it just sounds so nice like board and train two weeks your dog's gonna be amazing when they're back yep you know. And I wanted to even ask you guys, like, what mm-hmm. are your thoughts in board and train? A lot of people want to do that or have done that and may not have found the solution. Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I think the the similarities between board and trains and um, sort of like uh, people's idea of when they type in best dog trainer, what that means is we take the, the human out of the equation, mm-hmm. right? And people forget mm-hmm. that, they also might have to play some sort of part it's not that the dog is trained it's that the dog has learned to respond to a situation differently because the dog is being given different information right so uh, i i think it is very um it's it sounds great to be like okay i'm gonna send my dog off and they're gonna learn and uh they're gonna come back this perfect dog and uh, i'm willing to pay somebody probably more money than I would just doing one-on-one sessions because I don't have the time or Mm -hmm. have kids or whatever it is. But then the the problem is, is that the dog comes back and because it's given the same information it was given, you know, before the board and train, it's going to respond the same, Mm -hmm. you know, the dog will probably be great for ideally for the trainer that you send them off with. Mm -hmm. But when it comes back, if nothing changes at home, then the dog doesn't change. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's not dog training, it's it's solving, I mean, what we do, and the, and the biggest difference is we sort of fix a miscommunication in the relationship and then teach a dog healthier coping mechanisms to respond to things or to respond to stressors. But I'm not saying that there's never a time where board and trains might work. Um, I do think for very, very, very severe cases, the dog maybe needs to come out of that environment and then have a trainer almost like rewire that brain. Right. Um, and then I do think that there are plenty of trainers too, that do board and trains in a very, uh, in a way where it involves the human a lot. Mm -hmm. I know some dog trainers will do board and trains like Monday through Friday and the dog goes home on the weekends for the human to practice. Mm -hmm. But I, a lot of the time that I get asked about board and trains, it's, I want to go on vacation. And I figured, kill two birds with one stone. Let's get the dog trained while I'm on vacation. Yeah. And it just doesn't work like that. No, it it has nothing. uh, It's how you live with your dog in every, every day. So yes and no for boarding Mm -hmm. trains. It just depends on who's doing it and the type of issue that you're having. Yeah.
2: I never once thought I was the issue when I, yeah, when I was looking for a trainer for my dog, it never crossed my mind that it had anything to do with me. I was like, he's he's a shelter dog. He's got baggage. He's messed up. I need help. Um, but I didn't know until that's, I think what changed things for me when I met you, um, and realized that I needed to change if I was going to expect him to change. Um, and that's, I think the biggest thing with, with board and trains too, if the trainer is kind of teaching you the weight, like things that you need to change. So your dog can change. I think that it can be effective, but, um, most of the time it is.
1: Yeah. And with, with your session, and we joke about it all the time, but I came away from that session thinking I bombed it. I'm like, oh my God, I this dog already walks because we didn't pass any dogs, right? So when we went our walk, I was like, this dog is walking perfectly. I can't, I, you know, he seems really chill. I mean, yeah, they don't really have a lot of boundaries in the home. There's uh, how they live with them in a, in a day-to-day is uh, could be potentially a little confusing for him. But other than that, he's a pretty solid dog. I don't really understand. It was that session that... I think solidified for me that the type of training we do is it, it matters, mm-hmm. right? Looking at at the big picture and not just the actual behavior. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's um, the the biggest difference between um, relationship and psychology-based training and dog trainers is we're not, I mean, I'm not going to, for a first session, I'm not going to just put your dog in, okay, let's say it's a dog who uh, bites men, mm-hmm. Right. I'm not going to just bring all the men I know over, <laughs> right? Um, that first session, I'm I'm going to sit there and feel like, okay, well, why why is this happening? Right? Is this happening because the dog is uh, assuming that he belong or that you belong to him, and that he's claiming something? Is this happening because he's under socialized? Is this happening because you're accidentally reinfor- reinforcing this behavior? And then we're going to go through all of that, and then teach the dog another way of dealing with that, on top of teaching you how to provide information that's different to your dog before we ever test it. Yeah. And and I think that that's the the biggest difference between what we do and what a lot of people think dog training is. Right.
0: Yeah, and it's so big that what you've taught us is how energy plays such a big part in mm. connecting with your dog. And that's, you know, you can't just train a dog to sit, stay, heal whichever command is about the energy that you and your dog share mm-hmm. together yeah and that is that you can get in a board and train a lot of times if the energy is the problem right exactly right? yeah energy is is a big factor in the relationship when i change the energy around my dog they all change yeah it's so different when i walk in the room and where someone, when someone that's not typically used to being with them mm-hmm. walks in the room, they act completely different. So if I didn't understand that energy plays such a big part, yeah. nothing would change in our relationship, and I would feel like any money that I'm putting into their trainings mm-hmm. is not really, you know, reflecting yeah. a solution.
1: Or my dog's broken.
0: Or yeah, yeah, a lot of times people think that that's why they end up in shelters. And well, you know, we get
1: all the time of like. You know, my dog is still having this issue, but we've been through trainers, and now my husband's like, we're not doing another trainer, yeah. because they assume that all trainers are the same. Yeah. It's, if it didn't work the first time, it's not going to work this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that a lot.
2: Yeah, a that's kind of where we were. That's when yeah. I found your company and like read the website and kind of the difference in the way that you look at dogs versus the way that a lot of other trainers looks, look at dogs. It changed. Like, we both were like, this dog cannot be trained. Right. Right. I mean, that
1: dog... It blows my mind still when you tell me some of the things that he used to do. Oh, yeah. like, it blows my mind. But yeah. he, you know, I think if we're looking, if we're going to categorize like different types of trainers, mm-hmm. there's probably balance training, which that's going to be um, people who will use, uh, you know, positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement, positive punishment, all of that. Right. Um, so they're going to use all four quadrants of learning. Right. Then there's going to be purely positive trainers who only will use uh, positive reinforcement to teach. Um, and then a lot of times I, I, there are just strictly obedience trainers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, to me, I think that that's just a, that's, that's so different from what we do just as different as like service dog training is yeah. Right? because I think like I know competition obedience trainers that regardless of the situation that dog is in, even if it's like the world is ending, that dog will listen. Like I know that that dog is going to sit when it is told sit. Uh, but that, that that person's been working with that dog for eight hours a day, every single day since it was eight weeks old. Mm-hmm. It's not something that your average, you know, mother of two can do with her dog. Um, but today we'll talk about purely positive, balanced training. And then what we do, which is more, uh, psychology and relationship based training, which takes kind of both of those and puts them all together Mm -hmm. and adds your relationship into it as well.
0: Yeah. Now I think a lot of people don't understand the difference between dog training. Mm -hmm. And then if you're looking to dog psychology, Mm -hmm. what is the difference between dog psychology and dog training?
1: You want to take it or you want me to? I want you to take it. Okay. All right. Um, I mean, it's sort of we kind of already hit on it, Mm -hmm. which is, uh, you know, dog training assumes that the dog is the one that needs to change and that the dog, given the same information, same environment, same pattern, same everything, that we can teach the dog to do something different with everything else staying the same. What we do is, is we look at, well, why is a behavior happening, which is dog psychology, right? Of, okay, well, there's a miscommunication here between human and dog, something's getting lost in translation, right? Um, and, and we try to figure out the why uh, based on either, uh, based on the, the dog's perspective of the situation basically, right? And then we, we teach uh, the human and the dog how to get a different behavior from the dog, but not without getting a different one from the human too. Mm-hmm. Ours is definitely something that requires the human to work a little bit harder. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've,
2: we've kind of become translators. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah,
0: because when you, uh, when I heard that first term of like dog psychology, I never knew that was a thing or that existed. Yep. And when, and that's even why we named this Think Like a Dog, because the first thing that you told me was you have to start thinking like your dog. Mm-hmm. You have to understand your dog and understand what, how your dog takes in information because a lot of times with just dog training, people want to, um, you know, teach them how to sit and
1: all these commands. And that's more for us than the dog. Yeah. And it's valuable and it's fun to do. Like I do obedience with Kemper and it is so fun, but that is not, that's not the reason that he looks to me for information when we're in a, you know, a tight spot or whatever it is. It's just something fun to do with your dog. It's great for kids and puppies but unless you're doing it all day, every day, it's not going to like your dog's not going to sit when, um, let's say the door opens and you've got, you know, a bunch of your family over for Thanksgiving, your dog's not going to care about, about the sit more than the thing that, you know, you're calling the dog trainer out to fix. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I mean with dog psychology, it, it really is one of those things where we, we want so badly t- nobody ever calls us out with bad intentions. You know, it's, it's nobody ever calls any trainer with bad intentions ever. They're, they're trying to help their dog, but purely positive training and balanced training and, um, somebody offering you a chance to change your dog without you necessarily having to change to me, to most people that's like, well, why wouldn't I do that? Why wouldn't I do that? Because they, we don't think about the fact that they are they are a different species and they are um, learning from us in every single moment. I mean, mm-hmm. you've heard me say that how many times of, regardless of if you're intending to teach your dog something, they're learning. Yeah. So it's how we live with them in every single moment. And some people just, it's it's overwhelming mm-hmm. to think about that. It's yeah. overwhelming.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And when people look for dog training, dog psychology is not, something that is talked about often you know people don't think it even exists like what is dog psychology the first time i ever heard about it was when i met you and then i came to learn oh there is such a thing of dog psychology there is a difference and thankfully, you know, I got, we got pretty lucky because Bubbles, that was the first interaction he had with training was with you. Yeah. And it didn't really confuse him, yeah. you know, with other trainings. Mm-hmm. And then we came to you with that history of past trainings. He came just ready, yep. you know, first time being Fresh trained. from the shelter. <laughs> Yep. yep. <laughs> ready to learn. Ready to learn. And um, so that was lucky of us. But what would you say for people that have been through training and it didn't work out, and now they're going to look for, you know, a psychology-based trainer, is that something that they should – is there – is it like a different step to start with that dog Mm. because they have been through that previous training? Do you feel like they have – because a lot of people might think, but my dog has been confused.
2: Yeah. Can a
0: dog really be confused? I feel
2: like it – personally, it was more – it was confusing for me because I had to relearn how to – to communicate with my dog. Like for instance, the initial way that we use the e collar for my dog with the previous trainer was a really, really high level. Mm-hmm. It was always looking for a big reaction when we would stem him. It wasn't the way we teach it now, mm-hmm. which is the lowest level possible where we see a response from them, but not a reaction. Mm-hmm. So for my dog, he had been used to just being blasted with the e collar yeah. all the time. Um, when I switched over to the way that Millie teaches it, he clicked right away. He was he instantly understood what I was. Didn't you say that there was one time he was so packed up with you that you like went? He, yeah, I went and outside like, and he came outside with me. I didn't know. Just like right on her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Just he was just waiting. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: That's amazing. Um,
2: but thing like that, Obi wasn't confused. by yeah. he, I provided him clear information and he understood it immediately. Yeah. For me, it was hard to kind of change the way that my brain thought about it.
1: Yeah, I think as a trainer too, because there's. Uh, Zoe, Jess's Mm -hmm. dog. um, I do get a lot of dogs who are very well-trained. They are just not, they're still struggling with their behavior, right? So it's, there's a difference between, I posted a long time ago on our Instagram, but there's a a huge difference between well-trained and and Mm well-behaved, a huge difference, Mm -hmm. right? So um, I, I think as a trainer, when I have a dog who's gone through a lot of obedience focused and a lot of heavy corrections, um or even just purely positive right the the struggle i have is i have to now reattach that dog's body and their mm-hmm. mind right because now those those two things are not in sync mm-hmm. because now we've told the dog to sit but we've never really done anything different with the way that it's feeling mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so i i struggle a lot with that <laughs> Sorry. i struggle a lot with that because it's one of those things where I have trouble telling how the dog is actually feeling. And then it's going to seem like these like random blowups and they're not random. It's just the dog has been conditioned to not show how they're feeling through their body language. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a struggle, I guess for me, but it's almost
2: like suppression a little exactly, bit. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's suppression based training, yeah.
1: but it, it gives you what you want mm. right up until you pass that dog's threshold. And then the dog is blowing up again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, for it's probably more so confusing for the humans because they're used to doing a lot of talking to the dogs. Mm-hmm. They're used to um, needing to bring a ton of treats on the mm-hmm. walks um, or used to using the correction or the e collar as correction based. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's rewiring more the human's brain, but the dog catches, I mean, the dog's going to move forward as quickly as you let mm-hmm. them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's all about, like Ethan said, it's more confusing for the human Mm -hmm. than the dog uh, to, you know, go through a new training and a new way to be. I mean, clear communication is the best thing. And Mm -hmm. I feel like when they feel that clear communication, they're just going to, you know, go on and and start following the Mm -hmm. lead of of their pack leader of their human. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now, I wanted to ask, too, like, what is the difference between balanced training and purely positive training?
1: Yeah. So um, purely positive is going to be um, strictly telling the dog when they are doing something right. Okay. Um, And they're going to be rewarding all of that. Uh, Balance training is going to be telling the dog when they are doing something wrong and when they are doing something right. So correcting negative behaviors, uh, rewarding positive behaviors. Um, At their core, neither one of them are bad ways of training. It's just you can't apply the same thing, the same learning style to every single dog. just like every kid, every person doesn't learn the same. every dog doesn't mm-hmm. learn the same. Um, and and the bigger problem that I have is neither one of them ever ask why the dog is acting like that. What, what's what created that? Um, because chances are what created it will be the thing that fixes it mm-hmm. yeah um, But yeah, purely positives. It's I mean, that's what people are looking for now when they're Googling, Um, you know, they want somebody who's never going to tell the dog no or never going to correct a negative behavior uh, because we see corrections as I don't know, as punishment or -hmm. or sometimes even abuse. Right. But um, we kind of feel the same way about corrections where we are not going to just go and tell the dog that they're doing something wrong. We do direction first. Yeah. We show the dog what we want them to do. And then after a while of giving them the expectations of this is what you need to be doing in this, mo- in this moment. And I'm going to be providing you that information and mm-hmm. really supporting you through it. Uh, then maybe we'll give a correction. Mm-hmm. But our corrections are very light. Yeah. I mean, we never use the e-collar for correction. But it's it's still a a human way of looking at dog training. Yeah, exactly. dogs, when they correct each other, they use their teeth.
2: Well, and I feel like it's more f- like now now that I know what I know before, I probably would have looked for a purely positive trainer just because yeah. I'm like, it, it sounds nice, yeah, and it looks better to yeah. see my dog like get treats and, <laughs> and happy, yeah, yeah of um, yeah. but for a dog, it's arguably more fair to when it's to, when it's needed to give a correction and then there's clarity, and then they know what's expected of them, there's no confusion, yeah, yeah. I mean.
1: When we were in California, uh, uh, I couldn't find the car, and I never could. Um, <laughs> I never can. I can't ever remember where I parked my car. Um, but I, uh, Easton and I were walking down the street, and she, I was she. Was trying to train me, I guess. Um,
2: but oh yeah, we we're doing like a hot and cold game. Uh-huh, but with, yeah, but you yes. weren't telling me anything. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: So to me, that feeling of okay, well, you're not going to tell me when I'm making the wrong turn, and you're also not going to tell me when I'm making the right turn. You're just going to sit here and watch me try to figure it out, right? It's if you only tell me when I'm doing something right, then I'm probably going to go two, you know, two streets down the wrong way and have to figure my way back. And then if you only tell me when I'm doing something wrong. That's not, that's the same amount of information mm-hmm. as only telling me that I'm doing something when I'm doing something right. Yeah. But it's also not fair to just leave it up to the dog to just guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But are there issues that can be solved with purely positive training, would you say?
1: Maybe not, <clears throat> maybe not issues. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, excuse me, <clears throat> it's not a bad way to, get kids and dogs started, Mm -hmm. um, or kids and puppies, right? So it's, it's not a bad way to get the dog motivated around following a five-year-old's lead, right? Because it's just not natural for a dog to do that. But, um, uh, if there's not, uh, there's not a time or there's not an issue that can be completely solved by purely positive training. Um, but, they're absolutely. I mean, we use it all the time. It's just we use positive reinforcement on top of other ways of communicating mm-hmm. with the dog. It's not just
2: providing that. the most information possible by a balance of both. Yeah, and with with
0: me, I knew I with positive reinforcement training, which was the opposite. Like for me, what I really wanted to do was to fix the problem mm-hmm. of you know it started with bubbles, and I wanted to just send him to a really good strict training camp and he'll be fixed because his problem was to the be- in the beginning was like food reactivity mm-hmm. when there's other dogs around so i wanted someone that was more strict than purely positive because i knew that wasn't going to work for me but he you're a smart dog owner <laughs> <laughs> well you <She> know had- <laughs> powerful breeds yeah yeah <laughs> Bubbles is a very strong dog and I knew that, you know, in order for me to be able to handle him, he had to obey me, Mm -hmm. but I didn't understand what balanced and positive Mm -hmm. and strict training and like the, you know, there's the the training camps that says like military canine Mm -hmm. training and there's so many different things behind it. Um, but when I learned how to better communicate with him and to use that correction of telling him when he's doing something right and when he's doing something mm-hmm. wrong, it resulted in him better understanding what I wanted right. from him. Mm-hmm. And that really helped build our relationship. Yeah.
1: The The problem is is that most balanced trainers or people who call themselves balanced training are, are really recipe-based trainers, mm-hmm. right? So regardless of... Um, of the issue that is being brought to them, they have a system and they know what they're going to do with your dog before they ever even meet your dog. Yeah. Um, they have, you know, every dog, I use a prong on every dog, I use an e collar on every dog or I never do these things. So that is, you know, one of the things that I tell people who maybe aren't local to us or whatever is I, I say, watch out for trainers who know what they are going, they have a plan for your dog before they meet your mm-hmm. dog before they ask why your dog is acting like this before they ask if there's rules and boundaries in the house if if there's a, a reason your dog might be displaying this this yeah. uh, this behavior but yeah I mean I think for a your typical happy-go-lucky just dog with no manners purely positive can do it you know uh, balanced training absolutely can do it it's just we tend to get people who have um, their dogs have are have severe behavioral mm-hmm. issues and and they either know that those things won't work or they've tried them and they're looking for just a different word behind mm-hmm. dog trainer yeah yeah just something different
0: but it's just so you know dogs are so they're so different in so many ways. Like, for example, Max, our doodle, I initially thought, like, when we sent Max to to evaluation, (laughs) I had an expectation behind every dog when they went to day camp for evaluation because I knew I had them figure it out. I'm like, but I knew how Max was going to act, Bubbles, cane. But when we sent Max for evaluation, I thought, okay, Max is going to be like a tornado in that day camp. He's (laughs) going to go in there. Yeah, he's very good. And he's going (laughs) to go bananas. um, Because here, I didn't know how to correct him in different ways. So, you know, for me, it was just like when we play fetch, he was constantly barking at me, constantly trying to bite my hand and get the ball out of my hand. Every time I walk in the room, he wanted the attention on him. So I thought, okay, th- I know what Millie's going to say. When I went to pick him up, Millie was like, he was the easiest was evaluation so I've ever
2: had, and he's the best dog yeah. ever. I'm like,
1: what? He was like drop lead in
2: 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I sent a video to you or posted one that day. Yeah. Um, you that day decided you were going to rearrange the whole oh, uh, campground. Yeah. She does do that, that about... yeah, once a month. Every, yeah. <laughs> Just all of a sudden, nothing's working. We have to redo it all. Um, so that day she was moving like four treadmills from one side of the room to the other. And that was their first day. And I just put all three of the boys on place. Um, and all of them just stayed on place while we were like vacuum. Yeah. There was so much going on. And they just like chilled out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. for
0: Max, that like our super high energy, intense, mm-hmm. like when he's here, he wants attention on him all the time. <laughs> to be told that was the best evaluation and the easiest. Oh, it is like, so
1: easy. Yeah. What? What? <laughs> but it's because the expectation here is mm-hmm. that if I bark at you, you play with me. Yeah. And that you represent play to me. There is no structure. And then for him, I remember our first session when I said, let's bring Max out. And you guys look at each other and you're like, I don't know if we can bring Max out because Bubbles is out here. And then Ozzy kept telling me that uh, Max was going to be the toughest one. <laughs> and he was. He was tough to get the loop on him for sure. He had an opinion about that. But after, what, 10 minutes of him just being like, I don't want to, he was the most synced up with us than that any of them were. Kane was yeah. still trying to lay down. Bubbles was <laughs> needed seven naps in a row before he could move on. But um, Max is... Uh, a great example of if you give a dog different information, they respond differently. Mm-hmm. You just yes. have to give them a reason to respond differently, right? And Max is, you know, he is a dog that
0: if somebody looks at him, he's like he's going to do great with purely positive because he is a happy, good, mm-hmm. lucky dog. He'll be the last dog. I've but <laughs> you know, but if you meet him initially, if I take him to anywhere else, you are going to look at this big fluffy doodle that mm-hmm. just loves to stay next to you and play with you. He doesn't have reactivity issues. He doesn't care about food. He doesn't care about other dogs. The only issue that we had is that he wanted to like demand on us, but Mm -hmm. that was us giving him the wrong information. You would think if you put a treat up and you tell him to sit, good boy, here you go. Then he he stays quiet for that period of time until he does it again. Mm -hmm. And I show him the treat, you know, and it's for him, you would think positive reinforcement Mm -hmm. training would work, but it wouldn't be the right way for us to go balance training for a dog like max that we would look at and think positive would be the way to go balance was the way to go Mm -hmm. for him and balance meaning telling him what he's doing wrong giving him praise when he's Mm -hmm. doing something right at the right time and showing him our expectations Mm -hmm. and that's what really changed max max is now when we play fetch he understands Mm -hmm. he gives me eye contact he waits for me to throw the ball. There is no. Good boy, Max. <laughs> there is no like the man barking. And he does wonderful in the crate. He goes in there. He knows his, you know, when's crate time. He lays down. He relaxes. Um, and it, it was all about first changing me, you know, what mm-hmm. I was, the information I was giving to him and being able to step back and give him two different forms of information the positive and the correction,
1: you know. Three, because you also. I mean, that first day that we we that we worked on that, where we did structured play with him, we never corrected him, we never yeah. rewarded him, we just really, truly like guided him through what this process, what we want this process to look like, and a lot of times we'll use a leash to enforce things, but that's not a correction, it's just kind of letting him know, okay, this is the expectation of you before I throw this ball, or this is uh, what I want you to do while I'm pouring your food, whatever it is, I think... I think the big part of balance training that people miss, well, if you're truly a balance trainer, most of the time you forget about the direction part, mm-hmm. right? So it's still like the dog is just offering up behaviors, and you're like, "Yep" or "Nope," and then the dog still has to come up with it on their own. Mm-hmm. What, what I think the the third big way, and I think the most important thing that we do, is not asking the dog to come up with it on their own. We're showing them and we're working them through, okay, when you are in this situation, this is how I expect you to behave and you're not in trouble for not doing it. You're not in trouble mm-hmm. or you're not rewarded for doing it this early or whatever. It's we're working you through this and I'm going to guide you step by step so that you truly have all the information that you need to succeed.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And But when people are interviewing trainers and going into you know what trainer does my dog need, what would you say would be some red flags that people
1: can really, you know, look for when they're interviewing? Definitely the recipe-based trainers. Mm-hmm. Um, if they already, uh, if there's a tool that they use for every single dog, right? Um, whether that's a prong collar, an e-collar, or something that they never use, right? Um, I don't know that there's any tool. Um, Besides a harness, but I've still used harnesses for dogs that have medical issues. Yeah, Yeah. Um, There's not a tool that, a a dog training tool that I wouldn't use as long as I'm taught how to use it correctly Mm -hmm. uh, and that I felt like was fair to the dog. Um, But if you have a person that's just going to pigeonhole themselves Mm -hmm. into uh, because I don't have the information I need to use this tool correctly, therefore I'm not going to use it at all, which is fine, but then you're not offering that dog a chance who might learn best from this tool uh to to solve that behavior so yeah recipe-based trainers would be a big one yeah
2: uh um, i also think another red flag uh when you're interviewing is just like transparency um mm, that's a good one. sometimes you can get a feel for if they're trying to like if they're very open about what they do and how they do it um i think that's a big green flag um but if they're trying to I don't know. Some sometimes they'll like beat around the bush or try to like not give you the whole information that you would need to make your decision. Um, so I think transparency is a big, yeah. big thing for dog I, trainers.
1: I, and you reminded me of this earlier, but I forgot uh, packages. Mm-hmm. I hate packages, <laughs> right? Um, I we do a puppy package, which is fine, but I. I'm not gonna make you sign up for six sessions if I feel like maybe you can get away with three, right? And yeah. also, I'm also not gonna make you do that before I ever even meet your dog, yeah, right um people think that that's their dog trainer's way of saving you money it is not it is not it's your dog trainer's way of um trying to make sure that you stick with locking you in yeah exactly Mm -hmm. so i like a marketing exactly yeah Yeah.
2: i have people come out to me one time and i don't see them
1: again for a year yeah which is fine that was how when you
2: when i reached out to you you said um we set up i think one session and i was like let's just go ahead and set up a, a second one yeah but that wasn't your you telling me to do that? Yeah, so I was because I like, I think I need the help. Yeah, but after one, I feel like we. I mean, the next session was a walk. We didn't do anything. We <laughs> yeah. just kind of hung out. Yeah, yeah. it was kind of weird that you paid me for it. <laughs> but, yeah.
0: Now with uh, dogs that have lots of reactivity issues, maybe they are on medications, yeah. or you know, the train the the dog owner at this point thinks, you know, what can I do with dogs that are extremely reactive? And they are, you know, they've been told not to use an e-collar, not to use a prong collar. How do they, you know, when they're interviewing and they've tried positive reinforcement, they're on these anti-anxiety medications. How do you explain to dog owners that are, that have been said, have been told, you know, you know, Prong collars are not good, mm-hmm. e-collars are not good. How do you explain the use of them to these dog owners?
1: We actually don't use them for reactivity. We don't I I won't put an e-collar on a dog unless I feel like the dog has a foundation, mm-hmm. right? So, going back to that whole idea of it's not just right or wrong, it's not like we're sitting there like, "Yep, good job" or, you know, not playing mm-hmm. hot and cold with the dog. Um, we're giving direction. Mm-hmm. That's what we use those tools for. Right? So we don't use the e-collar as a correction by mm-hmm. any means. Um, we use the e-collar as added information, mm-hmm. and most of the time we won't introduce that unless the dog um, already ha- understands pressure and release on mm-hmm. the leash and mm-hmm. place work and things like that. Um, and prong collars we use few and far between, but when we use them, the times where I have used a prong collar has been on a large breed dog, Um, a very happy-go-lucky large breed dog who thinks everything is a party and most of the time their owners are older Mm -hmm. and cannot physically handle them right Um, but other than that I don't use those tools for correction so if they called me I would say that's fine we're not I'm I'm not handing you those tools anyway yeah it's
2: I kind of think of it as almost like a privilege you earn once you your relationship is there with your dog and I, that's like my favorite thing to explain to people, um, the e collar especially coming from how I learned it before and how we use it now. Um, I always get excited to be like, my dog used to have to be on a 40, and now he yeah. responds to a three. Crazy. <laughs> He's like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And Bubbles is on a one
2: yeah. most of the time. Yeah, Exactly.
0: And I bought, I've always, and I talked about this on the last episode, I was never against tools mm-hmm. that helped me communicate with my dogs. And ever since I started to to interact with larger breeds. I knew I needed something to help me walk them or, you know, handle them when mm-hmm. we're out in public, because obviously I'm not a big person. I don't have <laughs> my strength. Yeah. So they can easily just pull a little bit and you yeah. know, they're, they, they are, they're just leading yeah. the, the way. So, um, when I first got an e-collar, I YouTubed how to put it on and I try to place it right. But in my head, I'm like, I know that the vibration part is less mm-hmm. than the shock part. So I only use the yeah. vibration the whole time. Yeah. Anytime bubbles would go up to the gate or he would not listen to me, I would use the vibration. Mm-hmm. And then Millie said, no, that's worse. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that's actually worse yeah. than using the stem because in their heads, that's really strong. The mm-hmm. vibration, we think like, oh, our phones vibrate, mm-hmm. vibrate all the time. It's yeah. not that bad. It's familiar to us. It's familiar to us, not to them. Mm -hmm. So I think there's such a misconception when people think about e-collars, muzzles, you know, leads. They they don't understand that. If you put it on the right way, if you know how to understand your dog, Mm because every dog has a different level, that was big for me too. When you guys did, when we reintroduced the e-collar and Mm -hmm. we worked on levels and Bubbles was on a two Mm -hmm. out of, is it a hundred? yeah. And he understands the
2: e-collar perfectly. But if so I put
0: the e-collar to my hand and I use you it, you it. Yeah. can't feel it.
2: No. So not, mine's like a fourteen, I think. When I start to feel it,
1: and yeah. you even put no. it on your neck like a crazy person. <laughs> she sent me a video. I didn't that. know there was an option to not do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I mean, in the dog's uh, limbic brain vibration represents rattlesnake. So that's why they get such a big reaction out of that. But in our heads, we think like you said, your phone vibrates, but then we think, Oh my God, shock, Mm -hmm. electrocution, right? I don't want to electrocute my dog. That's not what you're doing. We need to have a whole like episode on tools just in general. Yeah. I think that's
0: really important. A lot of people don't like them. Some people use them incorrectly Mm. and, like we were talking about people that have used it incorrectly and they use it at this crazy intense high level. Mm-hmm. And then how do you draw back from that? You know, it's, oh, it's just... Easy. Yeah, I mean, it's easy. Yeah. It's easy.
1: With OB, it was... Because it, it's one of those things where the dog is like, thank you. Okay, yeah. oh, you didn't have to punch me in the face. You <laughs> <but laughs> just tap me on the shoulder and ask me what you need, you, yeah. you know? I'll, yeah. Uh, and that's really what we use the e-collar for is, first of all, it's not a shock. It's, it's a stim, right? It's like a TENS unit. It's not actually... Um, Uh, There's no electricity behind it, right? It's an electronic collar, Mm -hmm. not an electric collar, okay? Uh, That's, I think everyone thinks of e-collar as electric collar. It's electronic Mm -hmm. collar. Um, But, I mean... We use the e collar as pressure and release. Mm-hmm. So, um, let's say like as a one would be like somebody going, "Excuse me," and then like a twenty would be somebody like pulling mm-hmm. across the store. A hundred, it's like being punched in the face. Yeah, you know. Well, and
2: I'm sure you can imagine too with a, a reactive dog using high levels of correction, using that pressure during a behavior. So when Obi's already reacting, and then I stem him on a really high level, that actually triggers More. a worse yeah, yeah a worse reaction yeah
0: yeah with uh with bubbles he understood the vibration but I knew that for him every time he felt that he would like kind of jump yeah and figure out like what do I need yeah you know so I used the e-collar on max also because with the intense barking mm-hmm. and like always barking so I vibrate and he would stop and I would tell him to stop and that was such a mistake on my part like I feel
1: I mean to me it's not even right or wrong it's it's what makes sense to the dog and what what can we I don't think people use the collar I hate to say right and wrong and that's another probably red flag for trainers Mm -hmm. is that if somebody if a trainer just flat out was like you're wrong when you bring them your dog that's a problem but I, I hate to say that it's not even right or wrong it's either we've overused it um to a point where the dog didn't need it that, that intensity. Right. Um, Or we've miscommunicated with it, but there's no right or wrong. It's just, did it work or did it not work? And could you have done less? Mm -hmm. You know?
0: Yeah. And now also um, with the muzzle, like I want to just slightly touch on this Mm -hmm. too. A lot of people understand, don't understand the concept of Mm -hmm. a muzzle. And Mm -hmm. we were talking about this before we started the podcast, how muzzle for me helped Bubbles tremendously. Yeah. Like it just helps me feel more comfortable mm-hmm. with him. It helps me give him more freedom. He doesn't really care about it because it was introduced mm-hmm. to him the right way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, with when you're it's screening for trainers for me, it, I really it that helped me understand when I, I always was open to using tools. Yeah. So that was something that I was, you know, okay with. But when I was interviewing a trainer and I asked them about it and they said, no, we don't use mm-hmm. that. For me, that was, you know, I turned away. A lot of people don't and they continue to work with that. But for like for a dog like Bubbles that needed those tools for me to communicate with him. Yeah. It would have been a disaster if we never used it. Yeah. And
1: learn how to use it. He would not have the freedom
0: he has exactly. now. Yeah.
1: And that's exactly it. Is you know? that he would not have the experiences that, that he has. And he would not have been able to learn in a situation um, that was so... Uh, Stress free mm-hmm. because of the fact that he, if he made a mistake, it wasn't going to harm any other dogs, and then it wasn't like humans were standing around him, like on the edge of their seat, anxious, waiting for him to mm-hmm. mess up because he's picking up on all of that. Yeah. He knows if I'm just staring at him, like, okay, please don't bite him, please don't bite him, rather than like, you're good. I can turn my back for a second because you're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to do any damage, you right. know. And that's, that's probably the the best benefit of the muzzle is not that they can't do the damage, is that the dog gets to have a human that leads it, that leads them with confidence mm-hmm. again. That's the best exactly. part about the muzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with the muzzle,
0: I mean, he can drink water, mm-hmm. he can take treats, mm-hmm. you know, he can be a dog. It's just that it helps me feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That I can give him that freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So definitely I would say to a red flag is if a trainer just kind of, says no we don't do this type of training mm-hmm. because then it's not going to benefit you every dog is different mm-hmm. yeah so you really need someone that's open to all kinds of training so you can allow your dog to have that experience yeah, yeah. And, and
2: someone s- willing to learn too, like yeah open to if they haven't used that tool or they're that's not something they regularly use to be willing to be like let's try it. Let's see if like, yeah. Yeah. Or just like a
1: different way of going about it. Like flexibility yeah. is a green flag for mm-hmm. trainers for sure is, you know, um, people who have walked into the center and said, okay, well, uh, I'm, we're doing whatever this process this way. It might not be the way that I said it. And I, will ask them, well, does it work? And if they say, yeah, fine. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. You're,
2: you live with your dog. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah.
1: not me. You don't have to do it my way. Yeah. It's, I think, you know, obviously one of the bigger red flags is, uh, and it happens probably more, I guess it's in every industry, but it's a lot in dog training. Make sure your dog trainer doesn't bring their their ego into your session. That's yeah. very that's very important. It, it doesn't have to be their way or the highway. Yeah. And like Easton said, I don't live with your dog. If there's, if you have a pattern that you like and you like the behavior that it's creating, fine, mm-hmm. fine. Um, but there's a lot of people that are... Um, that really feel like you need to do it their way mm-hmm. or um, or you're messing everything up or you're a bad owner or whatever. I literally just called East and I, I left a session and the owners um, told me at the end, you know, we love the way that you explain things and you also do such a good job of not making us feel bad about things that yeah. that we need to do differently. And I hate I hate that other trainers have made this... You know, poor little senior couple Mm -hmm. feel bad about the way that they're raising their little dog Mm -hmm. because they just don't know any better. I I couldn't do, I mean, you guys set up all these microphones. uh, There are things that I couldn't do well, but that's because I haven't spent my entire life learning them. Mm -hmm. And and I think dog trainers forget that when Mm -hmm. they walk into a home is that not everybody's a dog trainer. So let's not make people feel bad about not knowing.
2: I think that kind of goes back to the relationship-based training too is Mm -hmm. that it is... I mean they have to live with their dog and if they're happy with their relationship, then usually they're coming to us because they're not exactly. Um, But when you are happy with those parts of your relationship, then you don't have to like, you don't have to do what I say. You don't have to change anything. It's what you, where you want your relationship with your dog to be. Yeah. And
1: we're, I mean, it's, that's how everything with Mm -hmm. everything with us is so um, flexible and customizable Mm -hmm. to your relationship. Mm -hmm. Like we will sit there with an owner and come up with like, I, I weirdly know a lot of my clients' work schedules <laughs> and what times their dogs eat because I want to find a plan that works for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean, I think with us it's very much uh, what what works for you in your house and if something if you're happy about some part of our relationship part of your relationship, great. Mm-hmm. But if you're not, that's why you're here and mm-hmm. let us let us help you and mm-hmm. if you don't want our advice, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um that's another green flag is people who you kind of said it earlier of um, uh, people who are willing to say, I don't know. Yeah. I love a trainer. There's a couple trainers that refer to us because they either don't normally work with the type of issue that there is that the dog is having, or they, um, I don't know, whatever it is, they don't know this tool or whatever. Mm-hmm. Finding a trainer that is willing to be like, I'm actually not sure about that. Let me refer to you to someone who I know works on this yes. issue. Mm-hmm. That's it's rare to find, but yeah. uh, it's it's a good thing to to do. Yeah, you know? that's again,
2: it's taking the ego out of it. Again. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, taking um, the
1: ego out
0: of it is so important mm-hmm. because I know I've heard from a lot of people that they've been told, "I this you can't do anything about this dog," mm-hmm. but that's just because <laughs> that, <was me>. that <laughs> trainer doesn't know what to that. do. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of saying, "I'm sorry, I don't know the technique, mm-hmm. the proper technique to communicate with this dog." maybe you should find a different trainer or a different method of training because the one I know doesn't work Yeah. instead of telling that dog owner that's desperately trying to fix a problem. Yeah. I think this, this dog is not trainable and Mm -hmm. it's, Mm -hmm. you know, you should have, you should go see a vet. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and there's trainers. I mean, you'll see them all over Instagram of, um, I, I guess we sort of, kind of did it here, but they'll they'll brag about okay. Well, I have this dog, and this dog has been through six other trainers or whatever, and finally it found me. I hate that because <laughs> to me, I I don't know how many of my clients have had to find another trainer after they worked with me. I don't know, mm-hmm. yeah. and and. It, it, finding the right trainers, finding the right therapist. Mm -hmm, It could be that there's, it doesn't mean that I don't know what I'm doing. It just means that my style and maybe the human style or even the dog style didn't match up and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's about finding the right trainer for you and and your goals and your lifestyle and what you feel comfortable with. That's the most important part is that you feel comfortable with what you're being asked to do. Um, And, and I guess the second most important thing is that it's effective. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And you have to be open to different methods because you never know which one will work for your dog. Yeah. Um, we, we have to take our ego out of mm-hmm. it too. Yeah.
1: Well, and going like, you don't have to feel comfortable about everything that your dog trainer asks you to do. You have to feel comfortable enough to ask them why they're asking you to do mm-hmm. that. Yeah, And if your dog trainer can't tell you anything other than, well, I just do this with every dog, then that's a problem, right? Yeah. You're allowed to, you feel comfortable enough to ask questions. Uh, and to get comfortable. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it, it's not about us. It's about what's best for the dog. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: And what, when would you guys say um, group classes are appropriate versus
1: private 101? We use group classes as a way to practice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we don't allow people to come to our group classes that have not already done a session with us because then that would just be like bonkers. I mean, dogs would we would be forced to put our dogs in a, in a position where we'd have to correct them mm-hmm. because we didn't do the, the initial work mm-hmm. of teaching and directing. Um, but we do puppy classes, group puppy classes. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a great idea because as long as they're small, um, <laughs> because it gets the puppy focused on, I can be around other dogs, but still paying attention to my human. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the time, I don't do group classes for dogs that don't already have the basics. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I know that many people will look at
0: the, when they're looking for trainers and they're marketing price packages,
1: they might look at the group class and say, this sounds better mm-hmm. because- Or my dog is dog reactive, so yeah. I need to go to the group class mm-hmm. and be around other dogs or it won't solve my problem. Yeah. We get that all the mm-hmm. time. Wow. Yeah. Um, But it's not, uh, obviously we have day camp running Monday through Friday, so there's dogs to work off of if we're ready for that. But I'm not gonna just put you- right in the middle of 25 other dogs. Yeah. It's not fair
2: to you or, or your dog. dog. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And a lot of, you know, the misconception
0: is I need to be around the trigger to fix the mm-hmm. trigger. And it's so different because it's more than that. That trigger is happening because of something in the, so much different than what do you think it is? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. with, with our dogs, it was that too, you know? So when we were interviewing, we went through so many questions that I know so many people also have board and train, like we talked about red flags, green flags, um, how to introduce different, you know, um, different instruments to your dogs mm-hmm. and having a trainer that's open-minded is so big. So I, you know, a lot of people will start looking into dog training and they'll go through what we've, went through mm-hmm. best trainer around me. <laughs> Why you read you up on that search? I'm, <laughs> sure. You, I'm sure you are. <laughs> and it's just, it's it gets really confusing. And then yeah. you learn about the different types and then you wonder if board and train mm-hmm. is the right way. So it's just coming up with a list of questions when you're interviewing mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what your dog really needs. Yeah. You know your dog better than anyone else and mm-hmm. you have to live with your dog. Yep. What does your dog need? be open-minded, take the ego out of it, you know, and be open to different trainings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, be open to a training that may utilize an e collar the right way if they really know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then be open to maybe a training that doesn't utilize that. If you're, you know, if you're really
1: on board with the e collar maybe your dog doesn't need that e-caller. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, the important thing is I think uh, one of the main points about this episode that i wanted to get across is that not all dog training is the same um every dog trainer has something different to offer you they might say that they are one thing and and maybe not train that uh, that style or or maybe what you perceive of that style looking like um but what's really important when you're looking for a trainer is that it feels right it feels right Mm -hmm. for you you're Mm -hmm. going with your gut if you have a bad gut feeling get out get out Mm -hmm. it's okay to say no and but it's not like a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. Um, you, you find the trainer that works for you mm-hmm. and your dog and your family, but we are not all the same. Not not better, worse. We're just all very different. Mm-hmm. All very different. And every dog, you know, needs a different
0: training, a different method. Each one of our dogs needs a different method. Each like. one of my trainers
1: are different, <laughs> you yeah. know? Like uh, we all, even though we all train the same style, I mean – I probably do best with. Um, here we'll put all of our trainers with uh, with her dogs. I probably do best with the bubbles mm-hmm. versions. You do great with Rusty's. Mm-hmm. Um, Jill, Max, mm-hmm. Connor, Kane. Mm-hmm. Nope, switch Jill and Connor.
2: I feel like they could do either or, but
1: Connor and Max though, because of the hype. And, and then yeah. Jillian loves <laughs> Jillian loves Kane, but like we're all so different that our personalities are going to affect each of those dogs differently, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and yes, like that, that doesn't mean not, I mean all of my trainers can work with all of those dogs, but we're all going to communicate with them in a very different way mm-hmm. and they, we're going to have different conversations with them. Just like I talked to Easton differently than I talked to Sarah. I talked to Sarah differently than I talked to Jillian because we're, yeah. we have different relationships. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's so important to, to
0: understand the different the relationships that are out there and to feel comfortable with your trainer it's all about creating a connection mm-hmm. to create a relationship you know mm-hmm. it's connection communication mm-hmm. relationship and that mm-hmm. just narrows it all down if you don't have the connection mm-hmm. you won't be able to even get close to creating that good relationship with your trainer to reflect that on your dog mm-hmm. yep so, you know, it, looking for a dog trainer has to feel right for you and it has to f- work for your dog, like you said. Mm-hmm. It, you have to get some kind of, you know,
1: solution to the problems not, that you're looking for. Not instantaneously. Yeah. I mean, don't expect results tomorrow. If somebody's promising you results tomorrow, <laughs> that's red a red flag. flag. Yes, <laughs> um, But, I mean, you're going to have to do the work for it. But, I mean, yeah, you you should be seeing results eventually it's just it's not going to
0: be tomorrow mm-hmm. yeah it takes time and being able to um you know understand that time is such a big factor in training and to understand that you have to put in a lot of that work at home too Absolutely. so if your trainer is not giving you the tools you need to do that every day with your dog the 90% of the time mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. it's you know that's also a red flag if they're just teaching you what, you know, here's your dog. We trained it. It's all good, but they're not giving you the tools to success Uh, mm -hmm. to go home with and do that day in and day out. So you see a change and you can create that relationship with your dog. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and you know, I think a lot of owners, a dog owners will get confused, um, when looking, but you just, like we talked about today, you have to feel comfortable, go with your gut. Ask the questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be open-minded because this dog is relying on you for information. So, be open-minded mm-hmm. to give them the right kind of information, um, and don't be afraid to you know go and and look for different kinds of training in your area. Or yeah. you know even um, I know that you offer a shadow program for yeah. other trainers in your facility.
1: Yeah, and clients as mm-hmm. well. I mean, just dog owners, absolutely. Where they and how does the shadow? Uh, program work you base. I mean it, it depends on what you want to learn right so yeah. um, if you want to come to group classes that's fine but uh, a lot of people want to see how we run our day camp and then also they shadow me in session so um, they'll come with me they won't be working with the dog but they'll watch how I explain things to owners and uh, watch how the trainers run day camp and what all goes into running a structured day camp but um, yeah I mean I think the most important thing is vet your trainers, mm-hmm. interview them. Yeah. And what you said about transparency, mm-hmm. that's probably the biggest reason that we have an Instagram page is because I want people to know I've got, we've got nothing to hide. Mm-hmm. I want you to know exactly how I'm working with your dog or what happens in day camp. If you know, people won't let you in the back or whatever. I mean, I can't let people into a pack of dogs, mm-hmm. but we bring people who are interested upstairs so they can watch how mm-hmm. we run things. Yeah. Um, but I think making sure that you ask questions because in that moment you are your dog's advocate. That is the most important thing. Yeah. And you also offer
0: online, um, absolutely over the mm-hmm. phone consultations mm-hmm. and training sessions mm-hmm. for that reason. Yeah. yeah. Cause a lot of times training is more about training the human and not the dog. So yeah. you'd be surprised. It's, it's, if you're also hesitant, about starting training ask them if they offer just an over the phone mm-hmm. training session Absolutely. or an online training session so you don't have to put so much time away to drive there and take your dog and go through all of those you know different yeah. situations with your dog you can be at your home
1: talk to your mm-hmm. trainer see if you guys have that connection and most and of the time there. the first session is a lot of talking anyway mm-hmm. because yeah. we're trying to figure out your dog's day-to-day and um, the first session is figuring out the why, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of the way that I look at it. Uh, and then coming up with a plan to start a different process there. But I mean, yeah, virtual consults are a great way to see if we, if we click and we, I'm not going to be offended if we don't, if you don't call me back. Mm -hmm. Um, like I said, it's like finding the right therapist. You have to be able to feel comfortable with that person. Yeah. It's we're not all uh, one size fits all.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And that's, that narrows it down too. It's not a one size fits
0: all training. There's so many different kinds. You have to be open-minded for, for you, for your dog, for you guys to create that relationship. So I think that we covered a lot today I with agree. asking questions, you know, ask the questions, open your mind to different kinds of training And do the research before going out and looking for a trainer. In my case, when the situation happened with my dogs, I freaked out and I just wanted them to get trained right Mm -hmm. away. And I felt like we couldn't move forward if I didn't find a solution right then and there. Mm -hmm. But thankfully, you know, we were able to find the right trainer fairly quickly and I didn't have to go through so much, but many people don't have Mm -hmm. that experience. So don't freak out. Take your time. Mm -hmm. Look for the information. Take your ego out of it. Mm -hmm. And be open to letting your dog experience different things because they have to go through different experiences Mm -hmm. so they can learn and be able to build a connection with you. Um, So, you know, I think that a lot of I hope that a lot of people can get good information Mm -hmm. from this session, from this um, episode and um, do you guys want to add anything more to,
1: you know? No, we're adding to the website a place where people can ask questions about what, oh, you know, awesome. things that they want us to talk about. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we'll um, we'll put up our, our email if you have any questions you want us to talk about or topics you want us to cover. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, if there's anything we missed, let us know.
0: Yeah. Make sure to send us your questions. And in the next episode, we are going to discuss the use of different tools in dog training. And we're really going to go in depth about muzzles, e-collars. And so on. So we yeah.
1: can. There's a lot to talk about there. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. We can do uh, a show and tell too.
2: Ooh, <laughs> yeah. a show and tell.
1: Yeah, oh, okay. that would be cool. I like that. <laughs> we'll we'll test it on you again. No, thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Think Like a Dog Podcast and follow at Mirror Image Canine for training tips. If you have any questions, please reach out to us via email at info at Think Like a